0: from herbmentor.com. This is Herbmentor Radio. Good evening. You're listening to Herbmentor Radio. I'm John Gallagher. Tonight we're celebrating the launch of herbmentor.com and we are live with herbalist and author Rosemary Gladstar. Since 1972, Rosemary has been sharing her knowledge of herbs as an educator, activist and entrepreneur. She is founder of United Plant Savers, co-founder of the Sage Mountain Uh, Retreat Center and Native Plant Preserve, Director of the International Herb Symposium, Co-Director of the New England Women's Herbal Conference, Founder and Former Director of the California School of Herbal Studies, Author of many herbal books, including Herbal Healing for Women and Rosemary Gladstar's Family Herbal. Rosemary is on the web at sagemountain.com. So, wow, that was a lot. And so now you can see why it's an honor to have Rosemary with us tonight. So, hi, Rosemary. Hi, John. So, you know, aren't the roots of Mountain Rose herbs in you too?
1: Well, it was um, Mountain Rose was a mail order part of my little herb store in um, Sonoma County. And when I left uh, California, I was born and raised in Northern California. When I left California and moved to Vermont, which was in 1987, I sold the store to a friend, and then two of my students actually bought the mail order part. And they ran it as the male Rosemary Gladstar Mail or Rosemary's Garden Mail Order Catalog. And then after a few years, they separated, and it, one branch became Mountain Rose, and the other branch became another small male order catalog called Wild Weeds. And that's quite—it's quite, you know, a little history there, actually.
0: Yeah, and, and I visited Mountain Reserves when I was down at uh, the North Reserve Conference last year, and I was just blown away by that place. In oh, I know. Too. <laughs>
1: well, now of course, what you're seeing there is all the creation of Julie and Sean. Mm-hmm. When I had it, was very small, you know, kind of operated out of my the back storage room of the store. So that incredible growth and it was really the the stimulus of uh, Julie and Sean, the the people who own and steward it now
0: yeah they're really really nice folks there oh. so um you know what i i uh, my little my little I can't even tell how many people are listening tonight because I have this little button here where I have where I could update it uh, it suddenly disappeared from my screen, but I know we've got hundreds of people on the line uh tonight uh, it was up to a few hundred at least when when right at the at the point of of five thirty mm-hmm. so I'm sure there's a few folks still filtering in, so i'm gonna start asking you some questions here now have a little discussion um so you know rosemary one of the main purposes of um, our herb mentor site that we're doing is to create a sense of community around people um, on this path of learning about herbs and um, something i noticed that um, people get really excited and they have dreams um, our our members is is uh is to you know they, they want to learn and not only learn they they see themselves and they, they get excited when they of the thought of being able to share their knowledge and passions and experiences with other people in their community like some people are I want to sell my sabs other people want to yeah. be consultants or 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 maybe they want to uh, be uh, educators and so what I was wondering is you know what's the you know what can what can people do to um, you know keep in mind when they're on this path in, in, in wanting to bring their gifts and learning this out to the world, and I you know in tying that in with the the importance of um, what what I've heard you call community herbalism.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's always been the model that I've advocated since the very beginning is the idea of uh, village herbalism or community herbalism, where you have like the old model where you had a herbalist in every village, and and that herbalist was. Uh, available as a teacher, and they made products, and they inspired other people, and they were there to help in whatever ways they could. And, and I think that model has been actually successful in this country. You know, we have many models of herbalism. We have the clinical model, which is also very useful, and we have the professional model, which um, which I think village herbalism is a professional model, but we have that model where people want to take it into the hospital. So there's very many levels, but I think the place that I've really focused my teachings and my vision on is that idea of the village herbalist. And so back to your question is, I mean, I always say the, the primary thing is first and foremost to follow your heart because I always feel the plants themselves are inspiring and directing us. I, um, sometimes we think that we discover the plants, but I always feel the plants are who call us home. They kind of discover us and bring us to the work. So that's the first thing is to listen to your passion. I mean, that's how it sounds like I've done so much, but basically all I did was listen to listen to the calling, you know, and at each step, my part in it was to be responsible. So that's the second thing, you know, Like, if you're thinking about creating a small business um, and you feel that passion to share the things that you make because they're beautiful and they work well and you want to share them with your community. So the first step is you're listening to that. And then the second thing is you want to be responsible to the dream and so then you have to... You have to be knowledgeable about okay. So what does it take to make a business? And you know, and so those steps are necessary as well. Um, and it's the same thing with teaching. You know, so many people are inspired by what they learn and they want to share it. And oftentimes they're intimidated, but to begin. But I would say, you know, sharing teaching is just sharing. It's sharing the little that you know with people that know a little less. It's not ever knowing everything. You never you never know enough. I mean, I think about, my God, when I was 22 years old when I offered my first class, and I always look around when I'm teaching people and I think, I truthfully knew less than anybody in the room because there was much less to know. But at that time it was more than anybody else knew. And so I was humble about it. You know, I went out to just share the things that I was learning. and uh, and it, And your community also tells you when you're ready, you know, like, um when you put your heart out and you put what you what the gifts that have been given you out to others to share your community generally will applaud and they step forth and help you become better at what you do um so i think you know the the thing i always say is first and foremost follow your heart and then be responsible to that you like Am I making sense about that? You know, oh, totally. Like, you know, you have to, you want, you want to jump, but you want to jump with both feet and you want to land. So you want to, if you're going to do a business, you want to have a little bit of business knowledge or you work with people who have good business. If you're, you know, if you're going to teach, you obviously have to do a lot of preparation work. So, um, and as far as what you can do, by God, you know, the, the uh, scenario is very large these days. So the opportunities... Because there's been a lot of, um, there's been a lot of work done already. So, you know, when I think about all the aspects of herbalism, you know, they kind of filter into every level of society from, you know, entering into the business. It can be small business or big business. It can be going into the beauty parlors, you know, and breeding natural cosmetics in, you know, powerful healing work in the beauty parlors. And, uh, it can be, you know, making home medicines. It can be teaching. It can be farming. It can be gardening. It can be working as a teacher at a public school and just introducing children to a way of recognizing plants and the history of plants. So there's so many ways today um, that we can can impact the culture we live in in the green path.
0: And uh, even the caller you were talking with earlier from Georgia, she's wanting to know about wildcraft. Now she goes out and the field guide or goes on a walk and learns some herbs. Um, You know, it can be as simple as, is is helping her remember it better by taking out a friend or children or parents or brother you know out into a local park and just start teaching or just sharing what she's sharing, learning
1: yeah
0: so that's, that's 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 great so um you know because something that um, kind of confuses uh, people in the beginning is that they it seems so overwhelming and they 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 hear or they get a book or they read something and <laughs> they go wow this 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 is this is so much um and uh and then they uh, wonder if gosh if i want to get into this do i do I need to get a certificate? Do I look for a certification program? Do I need a, a license to practice and all this kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I'm wondering your thoughts on that kind of duality between, you know, learning these helpful plants that grow in our backyard that we can put in our meals um, to 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 that, you know, folks who want to take it to a level of, no, this is, a professional thing. We need a license, uh, yeah. you know, and then and then that and then that um, barrier that some people feel when they're starting to learn, and, c- and that confusion between the two because I hear some people going, "Yeah, just go out and pick the dandelions, some other people are like, "No, that's going to hurt you." <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, well, it's all. The, I mean, really, you're talking all the way from preschool, kindergarten to uh, postgraduate work. You know, there's this huge, uh-huh. um, uh, uh, long path and. Every herbalist that I know always starts in preschool. You know, every really excellent herbalist, like you look at, you know, people like Tiaroni or Amanda McQuaid or David Hoffman, like these fabulous herbalists Mm -hmm. that are here today, I mean, they all started in preschool. And it doesn't matter your age. I mean, you could start at preschool when you're 50, but you start learning the basics. You know, you want to, you always want to start with this building a strong foundation. And so, the foundation of herbalism is you learn a few plants it's very and it's usually very joyful you know you learn the basic plants that are safe and the the plants actually that are still considered to be superior, you know really excellent medicine and food and you know, I would say to my beginner students, you start with ten plants that's all ten plants, and they need to be plants that grow around you and then you just you slowly start to use those as food and then you know for simple home health things and and so, and in truth, the the thing that is so marvelous about herbalism is it's actually incredibly easy to learn, if you start in the basic way, because it's ancient knowledge that's encoded in us. It's not like you're learning something that's really new to the human race. So it's kind of outside the realm of our genetic inheritance. This is stuff that has been passed down for literally, you know, sixty thousand, maybe a million years. We don't really know, you know. And it's just been passed down in every culture, generally through grandparent to grandchild and on and on and on. So once you get people just starting to kind of play with the herbs, it can be in the kitchen, it could be in a little apothecary making salves and lip balms. It's like you just watch these light bulbs start to go off. And that's one of the things why I've loved teaching herbalism for this many years is because it's this magical process. And it happens, you know, I'd say 99.99% of the time with people only occasionally do you meet somebody that it doesn't flash? You know, it's like and 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 you think that's really.
0: I mean, I, I just want to. I want your thoughts of, you know, on that connection between something that's within us that's not awoken. You know, like it's 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 there. It's within us, but when you teach people and you see those light bulbs go off, is it is there something deeper, like something like ancient? You know, in our DNA, that's like going, oh yeah, that's right.
1: It is ancient. You know, we you have to remember that we've evolved in relationship to plants. In fact, humans could not be alive if it wasn't for the plants. They're in the bottom of our food chain, They're, whether you're a com- strict carnivore or a strict vegetarian. Everything, the very basis is plants, all the way from the plankton up. And then the air you breathe is plants, and the clothes you wear is plants, you know, and the, the skin of the earth mother is covered with plants on every single level, you know, down into the, you know, biochemistry of us. We are comprised of of plants and our relationship to them. So they and and on top of that they've been part of our tradition. You know, people use them in ceremony, they use them in food, they use them in the apothecaries, they use them in every kind of celebration. I mean, there I can't think of one celebration whether it's catholic or, you know, pagan or whatever that isn't enriched by a variety of plants. So so and and on top of that is Over the last 35 years, I've heard the same story so many times, little tiny variations about people, doesn't matter if they're older or younger, when they start, you know, they start working with the plants and all of a sudden it's like they're, it's like falling down the magic rabbit hole, you know, you all of a sudden they're just completely engrossed in them and, you know, they're hit with these amazing memories or feelings or knowledge that, um, you know, isn't really book learned. And you know i as a teacher i I feel one of the most important things is that you feed people information, but the whole point of what you feed them is so it unlocks a key so that their own memories are accessed for them. It's not so much about teaching people to memorize plants or you know you you run through all the materia medica and the body systems and you know all the safety things that's all important information, but the whole whole point of it is is that if you do it right, you watch this key. Get turned, and when that key turns, it opens up. You know these infinite memories, and I—how do I know that's really real? Because I see it over and over and over and over and over again. Do you have a
0: story for us with a student or someone who you've mentored that just stands out like some great story?
1: Oh well, I, okay. So one just popped into my mind is um, I have this a very good friend, Amy Goodman, who has worked with me for about fifteen years or maybe thirteen years, but quite a long time and um, and she was she owned a beautiful like clothing store. she's a craftswoman, and so she works mostly with clothing and she really didn't know that she had this latent relationship with plants and uh until she started working with them and so she'd signed up for one of my programs years ago, like a maybe a eight month apprentice program, and she said like after the first weekend. It was like we—I send people out to do this, like little. We do all kinds of, you know, things, make products and go over books and all that. But one of the things that I introduce people is to go out and just meditate with the plants and be with the plants, you know, and just see if the plant—if you can entice the plants to begin to reveal themselves to you, um, because we're spending the whole weekend, you know, studying about the plants. So will the plants? Then step forth and do that. So it's a little exercise. It's not profound or anything. But she came back from that with her mouth hanging open and, you know, I didn't really know what had happened for a while for her, but then later she told me that, you know, she just kind of fell down into that, again, that rabbit hole, you know, where you're going, you're accessing time and, and, uh, she had this recall of actually uh, you know, being part of the burning times, like being a wise woman in the Middle Ages and, you know, one of the village herbalists and and being burnt. And all those memories just came tumbling out for her. And, and so she's been studying the herbs, like, pro, you know, just prolifically now um, for the last 13 years and, in fact, has gone on to start uh, Vermont Herb Camp for Kids. And she now teaches children. She has this very successful herb camp that teaches kids all the way from two to the teenage years. about. Yeah. So that's just a little quick story that jumped into my head.
0: So, so things have really changed since uh, 1972 when you started, until now, and how society is. I mean, just just it must be amazing for you the acceptance. Of- oh,
1: it's so amazing! Like just the other night, um, I was invited to this little library. That's, I mean, sort of out in the middle of nowhere. It's one of the little Vermont communities, and you drive, you know, thirty miles down a dark dirt road and you wonder where the heck you're going and then you end up in this sweet little village and i just thought you know i'm going to go do a little free talk at the library and there'll be like 10 people and i go in and the library's got like you know 60 people all crowded into this little community library and i laughed just this very same thing john i chuckled and i said you know 35 years ago you know if two people showed up for an eight-week class um, I would be thrilled and I would go down to my little schoolhouse and I would teach eight weeks those two students because you were just happy to share it with no matter who showed up, you know, and I always remind people of that today, you know, when they say, Oh, my class is really small and I say I would say, Well, you know, first of all it's really great for the students and second of all this is how you learn, you know. It's like a gift to you if two people show up and you need to be thankful and and you know, those two people will multiply and quadruple and So, yeah, it's changed, you know, it's not just in the education, it's with, you know, when we first, when I first opened my herb store, I think the only tinctures that were available were Herb Farm, you know, there wasn't anything else, not, you know, none of the products, it was just Herb Farm, you know, thankfully they're still there and so are lots of other good products, but, you know, there weren't, the industry as it's known today was almost non-existent and, you know, I think one of the things I always laugh about, I I helped co-found Traditional Medicinal Teas and, you know, it was oh, really? just
0: that too. Yeah, that
1: too. It started in my little store, Rosemary's Garden. Add the list. <laughs> Go ahead.
0: Sorry, I'll add that to your list of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know, I was just making teas for my community, and you know, today if I decided to start a tea company like that, it wouldn't work. And this is one thing I I felt like when we were talking about going out in the world and doing all that. That first question you asked, you know, one of the things that I always say to my students is you want to think local these days. You know, it's not like we need more huge companies competing with more huge companies. It's not really a good way to support the herbal community. You know, the better thing to do is to look at doing things locally, doing things within the community, you know, really strengthening the local networks in the same way that, you know, the food movement is becoming localicious. You know, we need to do that with herbalism. So, um anyway yeah so even the industry you know every aspect of herbalism it used to be you know when we would study it was very easy because there'd be like four herb books and thankfully they were really good herb books but today you know you i mean my library i think i have four rooms of library of herb yeah. books you know it's exactly. amazing actually i'm yeah. it's like a, it's a success story it's awesome
0: that, that's you know that's my vision too, when I'm working you know, between learning herbs and herb mentor, what I see like every time I see a member like every time I send out a kit or a game or have a new member sign up, what I see is this like seed in a in a town somewhere, a community yeah. that's gonna be out there teaching kids going to be out um you know <laughs> connecting with their local farmers and you know telling them about things and and yeah. and uh and and sharing their their gifts and so that's exactly yeah. it you know just trying to help people see that on that local level so.
1: well and it's you know so often today there's this haplessness and hopelessness in people and you know it's because they're not feeling effective and i and i You know, I have to struggle with that also, but I always come back, and it's like a very strong message that comes within me is, you know, you always look in your backyard, and if you don't feel you can do something over in Iraq, you can do something that's powerful in your backyard. It might be to plant a garden and to feed your community. You know, it might be to join the soup kitchen and, you know, put some very good healing herbs in. You know, that, and and with herbalism, I feel that more than anything. I think that's why the herbal community is so... Uh, positive, you know, it's, and generally I would say that most herbalists I meet have this sense of empowerment. And it's because we feel like we are changing the world. It's maybe in a very simple way, but it's in a very profound way. And we've seen the results of that just with our simple, small work that we've done here in this country. I mean, we've revolutionized in a big sense, you know, healthcare. And it's just beginning. You know, so, you know, I've, I feel very positive actually
0: and 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 um and in that related to that, what's amazing that you were in touch with as well, you know as you're going along, you're seeing medicinal herbs get more and more popular, you see echinacea everywhere, and people talking about it all over my parents is mainstream to them you know and <laughs> and uh, and and at some point, you saw that. With all these people taking using these herbs, when they're see when they're not your local person going and uh, you know in touch with the local ecosystem and what's growing there and what's native and what's not and, and the growth uh, cycles of different plants, you saw that a lot of bigger companies and all you, um, well a lot of native plants starting to disappear, and and um, and so when did you kind of start? Noticing that in relation to your uh, vision to get United Plant Savers going?
1: Well, you know, it was shortly after I moved out here. When I moved to Vermont, it was in 1987, and I was extremely excited. I was in the northern range for a lot of the plants that I'd been using in our Materia Medica that were native to the northeast of the United States. So when I came out here, I had this childlike excitement to, you know, find golden seal and ginseng and black cohosh and blue cohosh and gold thread and all these plants that are very uh important in our modern herbal medicine but don't grow on the west coast. And so I spent like, you know, my first couple years you know with my plant ID books and you know out in the woods and forests and meadows and I was so disappointed and it didn't click. It just it just set a little alarm button but not it wasn't going off strong enough that I noticed anything. Uh, and I just started, you know, I talked to other herbalists around that time, you know, and just asked if they'd noticed that some of their favorite hunting grounds, you know, were getting a little depleted or, you know, everybody was sort of noticing the same thing, but we weren't really uh, alarmed. And then, and then one time I was in traveling on one of my plant lover's journeys and I think on this particular trip I was in Europe where, you know, we always look to Europe and we say, oh, the herbal tradition is really alive and strong, and, you know, you can go into a pharmaceutical drugstore and there's all these herbal products and drug products and homeopathy and everything's all together. But I noticed when I'm traveling there, and I've traveled extensively throughout uh, Western Europe anyway, is there's very, you know, the herbal tradition may be very, Strong, but the plants that the tradition are based on are in demise, you know, and the only place you really find very many of these plants is in protected areas like parks or high up in the Alps. So I had come home from one of those trips and I was just longing for the wild messiness of you know our big tracts of wildlands here and and I was standing out looking out over you know the hundreds of acres of wilderness that surround me, and it just hit me. It just hit me like a force. It took me down to my knees and i thought this is why this is why so many thousands of people have been called to herbalism right now it's not so much about us and our health as it is about the gardens are in danger you know the plants themselves need help and you know herbalism and wildcrafting is the bottom reason why these plants are in demise i mean it's we've made an impact but it's hardly like urban sprawl or you know habitat destruction or core logging practices, we're at the bottom of the line, but we can make a difference because we love these plants with all our heart and soul. And when you love something, you'll fight for it, you'll stand up for it, you know, you'll give your life for it. And so so it sort of began as a really simple little project. I thought, oh, well, I'll just plant some of these plants in my woodlands. I had no clue what I was doing. I just, it, you know, I was like Johnny Ginseng seed or something. I'll go and plant these plants up there in the woodlands, and you know, see how they do, and start to restore the native habitats. And you know, at this point, I wasn't aware of like, you know, the native geons and you know, specific specimens that have to be planted. I was very naive. I'm glad I didn't know any of that because it would have overwhelmed me. I'm glad I was like a child. I ordered some ginseng and golden seal, and I went out and planted in my woods, and and started talking to people, and you know really got serious about it and then in 1994 at the 4th International Herb Symposium we had a big big group of herbalists there I called a little meeting and I just the, it was a question I said is there a problem and if there is a problem what should we do about it and of course you know everybody it wasn't like I started this movement what I found out is that everybody was concerned everybody was worried and we just needed to get together and we needed to bring our energies together and so we formed United Plant Savers at that meeting and then the following season i think a few months later in the fall that was in the spring we met at another wonderful herb gathering called Green Nations that Pam Montgomery puts on and we we got together there as well and we formed a nonprofit and we've been you know we've been doing this work nonstop and we've made a huge difference because at that point In 1994, which was just, you know, a drop in the bucket of time ago, there was hardly anything about native medicinal plants in the herbal industry, in the education fields, in the books, and in the government. And today, what, how many years ago? It's like like 14 years Um, ago. mm -hmm. It's a huge thing. The government has a whole branch now called the uh, the Medicinal Working Group. Uh, You know, we have United Plant Savers, which has become a national organization. We have the industry that's become very involved, you know, and we have a lot of marvelous companies that have transited from, you know, uh, harvesting at-risk native plants and mm-hmm. transited over to growing organic plants. So it's quite exciting.
0: That's the whole, I mean, we wouldn't have done, never came out with Wildcraft, uh, the board game, if it wasn't for all of the native United plant savers as well, oh. because it was a, a need out of that too. It's not just a game, but seeing, yeah. you know, it's the whole, let's start people out, um, thinking about, you know, ethical and sustainable wildcrafting.
1: That's so wonderful, yeah. and you have been so supportive of the United Plant Savers. I know that you contribute, you know, a substantial amount. I just really thank you for that. And it's a wonderful oh. game. It's just such a great family game.
0: Thank you, no, really. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and uh, and just so listeners know, on herbmentor.com in the uh, in the members area uh in the Arbent Radio Area there's a whole interview I do with Betsy Bancroft from United Plant Savers where, we, where she really gets into the meat of a lot of the uh workings of United Plant Savers as well as uh um <clears throat> a lot of the great great tips and things like that on wildcrafting and that's at united um you can visit them at unitedplantsavers.org and they're actually next door to you aren't they <laughs> yeah they're
1: right well for about the first maybe <laughs> maybe nine or ten years it was in my in the sage mountain office and then betsy our marvelous office um well they call her the office manager but she's really a community resource person she's an excellent herbalist and a great office manager a rare combination and so she lives right across the field from me and and so she has the office in her house now but you know it's like hollering distance (laughs)
0: that's, that's great yeah so uh We're going to about start the second half here, and I just want to uh, remind folks, anyone who's kind of um, listening, kind of started a little late, a couple of things is that, uh, well, you know we're talking with Rosemary Gladstar, and uh, if you're having trouble with the webcasting, if it's skipping, you can try just calling the number there. We have uh, plenty of lines open there. Um, And uh, the other thing is hang on to the very, very, very end because we're going to give away a lot of stuff. All right, so um, now, Rosemary, I'd like to um kind of go toward some of the questions that that were emailed into me and um there were a lot of them so what I did uh, folks um as I as I as I went through and tried to find some themes and um yeah ideas that you know and 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 then package it together here to kind of maximize our our time here since we don't you know since we don't have that much time tonight with you so um you know unless you want to stay to midnight now <laughs> <laughs> um that so, would be fun, so uh, there are a lot of different experience levels I noticed too that were emailing in, which was great and um something that I noticed about seven people actually when seven people email in a question i, I know that's one I should ask, so I'm gonna um ask on some different levels of experience um some questions, and one that um kind of a composite of the questions here uh was uh, a common one was uh there a lot of people interesting in gardening and were new to herb gardening. And um, they and the, a lot of people said, oh, about five of those people said they had small patches to grow medicinal uh, herbs in and um, wanted to know, uh, let's say, uh, a, a few or maybe five, let's say, of herbs that you feel that people should be, uh, that, that ones that maybe they should think about growing if they have a small plot.
1: Okay, that's great. First of all, I'd like to recommend my favorite gardening book. It's called Growing 101 um, Medicinal Plants by mm-hmm. Tammy Hartung. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a great book. It's uh, good for any level. And then the other, um, it's actually a catalog, a seed catalog. It's Rich checks from Horizon Herbs. He has a fabulous seed catalog that we just order because it's like a book, you know, for a dollar. <laughs> Anyway, and it has tremendous amounts of instructions in so both of those are really good for people who are either just starting or who are quite knowledgeable about gardening with herbs so the The top five that I would say now we're looking at a huge, broad range of habitat right, aren't we in the United States so um like I grew up in a zone eight, and here I'm living in a zone three so anyway, uh, herbs that when what you plant, you want to be very versatile, you want them to be. Uh, fragrant and beautiful and used for medicine and food so i actually would probably concentrate on some of the culinaries like thyme which is a fabulous medicine it's also an excellent growing herb and here we'll just say the common garden thyme your your um uh the vulgaris you know just the common one and um it tastes delicious in tea if you grow lemon thyme it's one of my favorite teas you know just a good beverage tea um it's very beautiful and it's really hardy. it grows in a zone three and it certainly grows in a zone eight or nine so time is really beautiful um we all need more of it (laughs) tons more (laughs) time and it also blooms about uh three-fourths of the season and the blooms attract all kinds of native pollinators and honeybees and um butterflies and stuff so you know very versatile in the garden and then echinacea of course the great herbal diplomat plant and it's just stately and beautiful i would generally suggest for growing the purpurea unless you're already really skilled at growing purpurea and then you can grow, grow the angustifolia uh, the other variety that's medicinal or one of common varieties it's just more challenging to grow so if you want big success and beautiful flowers you would grow echinacea you could just grow echinacea in your garden and you'd have a you know a nice um, medicinal plant you have to wait about three years before you harvest the root so you know every couple years or every year you plant a nice new crop of it. It's beautiful. The buds, the leaves, the seed pods are all very medicinal. Um, They're very antiviral, antimicrobial. The root, of course, is medicinal, so that's a good one. And then I would definitely suggest growing yarrow, a very hardy plant. There are many, many different kinds of yarrow, but I would say to grow the white, wild yarrow species because you have one of the best medicines for all kinds of things, for stopping bleeding, for stomach, for cramps, for colds and flus, you know, if you look in an herb book at the uses of yarrow, and it's beautiful. It flowers, you know, three fourths of the season will be in flower. So, um, so it, okay. And then, I if you have a big patch, I would suggest nettle. You don't want to plant nettle in a small patch. Nettle's my favorite plant as a food, as a medicine. Uh, it's beautiful, excellent for the garden the soil. Uh, but you don't plant nettle in a small patch. You you know, you have to plant it in a big patch. So.
0: Would you be jealous if I told you that we've been, like, gathering every other day? Yeah.
1: I don't even want to hear about it. <laughs> we are truly about at least six weeks away from even seeing the dirt. We're having a really big winter. It's beautiful, but, you know, I mean, I'm looking outside. You're talking about spring, and it looks like uh, December 25th here. <laughs> but anyway, so um, so there's yarrow. and. You know, a lot of the plants that are jumping into my head are the weedy plants, you know, that people usually don't want to plant in their gardens. But, um, what are some other really fabulous? One, one plant that I love to plant in the garden is, um, root because it's actually an endangered plant. It, not in the Midwest, but in the New England states. And it's a beautiful, beautiful garden flower, but then it's a very powerful root. So when you plant it, you're planting really good medicine, but you're also helping to reestablish a plant that's becoming very sensitive in some of its native environments. So that's a really nice herb. And then rosemary, if you can grow rosemary and lavender, those are fabulous. Yes. So, and on and on and on.
0: And on and Is on. It, <laughs> So yeah, there's there's a lot. You can go into mint, you can get into comfrey, you can get into calendula. And- yeah,
1: and calendula is an absolute. Both of those are really good too. You know, and that's why I would recommend that for those people who wrote those questions to to really get Tammy Hartung's book because it's it's a basic beginner's primer on growing, uh, and with enough detail that it really is excellent. Um, that's a really good one. But yeah, calendula. The pl- the plants that jump into my mind are those. They're beautiful in the garden. They're versatile. You can use them in food. You can use them as medicine. They're good for the soil, and they're good for the native pollinators.
0: Hmm. That's a Thank you very much. Thanks. Um, you know, next there were um, several questions about people with different health advice. You know, and so obviously with every individual kid, they're very long, and you know. And so I, I looked at these. I said, "Well, how am I going to present this?" And, yeah. and 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 so what I was wondering. And a lot of them were kind of a chronic type of things you had um uh, bronchitis or you had mm-hmm. a chronic bronchitis, another person with an underactive yeah. thyroid um, so you know I, I guess I'm wondering more you you know you can look up different herbs and books and things and all, mm-hmm. but you know what can be confusing to a person is i think or 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 it's lacking um in if you don't have a You know, if you don't have an herbalist down the street, you could be mentored from. um, Is just that underlying, like, what's that that underlying philosophy or approach that you take when looking at or treating chronic issues? Now, I'm sure that every person you talk to and give advice for a chronic issue, Mm -hmm. there must be something that's similar in what you tell them.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the first. so the first thing I would look at is with with um common um household problems, like the everyday run of the mill kind of things that people get, like we would say just a minor headache or an upset stomach, a cold, even a flu, you know, if it's not a deadly flu, um, cuts and scratches and wounds and minor infections and anything that sh- I always use this as a kind of a guideline. Of course it's you know, it's not a standard but it's it gives it gives a sense. Anything that your granny might have treated at home Uh, like a sprained ankle, for instance, you can, you can generally treat yourself, even if you don't know a lot about herbs, if you have good books, you've been researching, and you have a good, you know, beginning understanding, then you, you know, you learn the way we all learn, the way everybody learns, is you learn by seeing what works and what doesn't work, and you don't have to worry about causing, uh, more difficulties or crises with your body. So, so that, you know, so that's one of the beginning places that I look at. The second thing is with chronic imbalances, it's a little more involved because chronic means you've had it for a long time. It's generally established in your body. It's also the place where the herbs are the are the best medicine, like natural medicine is your best remedies for chronic problems because they're designed not to mask the systems, uh, symptoms but to resolve the symptoms. And so herbalism and natural therapies are very excellent for chronic problems. And, in fact, Uh, you know, you can use allopathic medicine, that's a term for modern medicine, for chronic problems, but generally what you're gonna do is mask the symptoms. For instance, with chronic allergies, you know, and this is allergy season in a lot of areas, people may choose to use, uh, over the counter some medication for their, you know, itchy eyes and sore, you know, the itchy throat and stuff, and it will, it will make those symptoms go away, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't cure or Stabilize the problem, so that's where natural medicine comes in, but it's a little more challenging to self treat that unless you have knowledge It's a little more challenging to look in a book and go, "Oh, this is how I treat it so the, so what I would so I think if I understand what your question is, where I would start with is the foundation is making differences with the food like food is our best medicine, you know it's really the basic of medicine, and you can make a huge difference with chronic problems by what you intake on a daily basis. And so that's one of the simple places to start with. And, you know, it's not it's not suggesting to people to make radical changes. It's to make sensible changes that are doable. For an example might be if you have chronic stress, the stress is causing you to lose energy, to get depleted, to not sleep at night. A common place that you could look at is cutting down on caffeine, possibly even eliminating it if you can do that without causing more stress, you know. Mm-hmm. It might be eating foods that you know make you feel centered, like maybe more uh, protein, good quality protein foods. And then you can add to that by looking in good herb books, and there's many good herb books, and they may offer, they often do, offer uh, uh, a supportive tea, something that builds the overall system. Um, and so, you know, one of the places, I mentioned this before, that I like to start people with is having a materia medica or a group of herbs of about 10 herbs that they work with that are used for all kinds of things. They may not be specific medicine, but they help to reestablish the body's equilibrium or harmony. For instance, a group of adaptogenic herbs, that might be a good place to start with, starting with those herbs that help the body adapt to modern stresses or to these chronic illnesses. Is that, is that
0: helpful at all? That's very helpful because um, I just wanted to relate that with the fact of uh, what's so beautiful about your approach. When I, because you know your your family herbal book, I mean that's just like a, um, you know, it's the one that's always out on the kitchen table. Oh, you know, so I mean, happy it, to it's, hear it's, that. It's uh, it's and 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 what I really love I love the the um, what do they call this? Secondary title byline. I don't know what they. What, under family Irvine it says a guide to living life with energy, health, and vitality. And so, you have it's a guide um, to bring, I think, for folks with chronic situations to help that turn that around.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's one of the problems with our modern approach to health is we look at it through disease. You know, we're we look at it through lack of health rather than. You know, being healthy is not just not being sick. It's something else entirely. And people have transferred that into herbalism, and it makes me very nervous because herbalism is not just about taking plants when you're sick. It's a way of life. It's about, you know, maintaining a healthy way of living. And so I was trying to just turn that a little bit around so people would use herbs more of the way they were meant to be, you know, like as your teas, as your tonics. And yes, they're absolutely incredibly helpful and effective when people have health problems, but they're much more effective when we're, you know, healthy and good. You use them for just creating balance and building balance and, you know, enjoying life more. So I did try to do that in that book, and thank you for noticing that.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, um... You have to read through it to get that thread, you know, to really see that there's an overall, it's not just random recipes and remedies, it's a whole, you know, experience on covering just about everything you can think of. <laughs> How do you I do figured it? it was going to be my last herb
1: book, and I wanted to try to get as much into it as I could.
0: It's, just, it's like every it's beautiful to look. At. I love the pictures, and oh gosh, it's funny because yeah. <laughs> i also do gra- I've been a graphic artist for a long time, so I oh great, so I look yeah. at it and go, this is the best laid out herbal book I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, they did
1: such a nice job. Yeah, really did. it's a wonderful small company actually that used to be in Vermont. They're, Right over the border now, but they were lovely people to work with.
0: Mm, yeah, that's so. So um, thank you for that answering that because I I um, I really wanted to you know get have folks hear that whole um, that transition from looking at herbs as drugs to looking at herbs as uh, helpers, allies, and plants that you have relationships with because it really is about the relationships, mm. isn't it? So it's, um, and that. thank you. And so um, there was a person who had an acute situation, and my heart went out to her, Sarah, because she has, uh, you know, I have two little ones, <laughs> and so she has one that's uh, cutting his molars this week and really mm-hmm. crabby. And, and, uh, and in, in, indeed you have, so we're talking an acute, rem, you know, something for, the, for a child um, to help him calm him down. So anything that's
1: uh... Oh yeah, well, the very first thing I would do is I would take um, spalanthes, is my favorite herb for pain in the mouth, and I take spalanthes and you held a little probably two years old this little baby is somewhere around that age. You need to dilute the spalanthes it comes in a tincture, you want to dilute it so that when you rub it on your own gums, it's tingly but not painful, you know because your gum is going your gums are going to be much tougher than a baby's gums. So I just rub it, you know, I I dilute it maybe a quarter teaspoon of the tincture to a teaspoon of water, and then I rub it on my own gum to make sure that it tingles. You don't want it not to tingle, but you don't want it to be painful. And then just rub it all over that baby's gum. And you can also um, make a tea and put it in the refrigerator and take a cloth and soak that cloth in that Spelanthes and let the baby chew on that. You know, that's another good way so that the baby's just gnawing on it. And then the other thing that I like to do is to give, it's an old formula. that came actually from um, back in the eclectic days and Dr. Kloss's, uh book, From Back to Eden, the catnip tea. I usually make a little catnip tea and oh, yeah. um, okay. give that to the child. And and if the baby's nursing, the mama drinks a lot of it, and it will go right through her milk and the baby will get it. And if the baby's really fussy and cutting a fever and not sleeping well, you give it a nice warm catnip enema. And it it just works like a miracle. It will help that baby relax and, um, you know, takes the edge off of the pain. Um, Another old remedy is clove. And, of course, you never put clove oil directly on the teeth, because on a baby's teeth, because it will just burn them. But you can do the same thing. You can take clove oil and you dilute it. You could put a little bit with the spalanthes, or you can dilute it in a little water, and you rub it on your own gums. Make sure that it tingles but doesn't burn, and then it's an analgesic. Both spilanthes and clove are analgesics, but I have to say, once I discovered spilanthes for the teeth, it's like a miracle worker. It's so good. And,
0: uh, you, you know, another amazing one. I was. Um, you might like this story. Uh, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, He's passed away a couple years ago uh, at an old age. Um, he he grew up hidden from the. Uh, Indian schools on, on Pine Ridge mm-hmm. Reservation, and his grandparents. So he knew the names of all the plants, right? But he he just called them what his grandparents called them. So the echinacea to him was toothache medicine. Yeah. <laughs> That's what was. So he uh, introduced that uh, to uh, my friend when their uh, baby was teething, and I was trying some root from his yard in South Dakota. Oh, my goodness.
1: Was <laughs> <nothing too.
0: laughs>
1: yeah. He probably had the uh angustifolia. You know, it's much more tingly and
0: mm-hmm. it
1: grows in that area. Not yeah, right. the and the um uh uh You know, he he would have um not the purpurea.
0: But the, yeah, exactly. What's native to where he is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sit right out of the, right out of the, you know, right out of the parched earth there. Yeah,
1: that's it. And all of the, you know, all of those have that tingly kind of analgesic properties. Echinacea has it too. Mm. So that's what I would recommend. You know, is and then the then the parents take a lot of catnip and a little valerian, so they're relaxed. You know, because it's you know it's an edgy time. You know, it's that symbolic. It's it's both literal. The baby's cutting teeth, and then it's also that fighting into the world so it's you know it's painful. Um Thanks so those for that, are because
0: she's like I'm suffering from a cold too and I'm exhausted and I'm like, oh <laughs> I'm
1: sorry. She needs to have a good friend come over and sit with her baby for the day so she can get a rest.
0: Exactly. That's what
1: I'm gonna do on Saturday. I'm gonna go up to my daughter's and babysit my two year old granddaughter so my daughter can get a little rest.
0: <laughs> what what are you uh up to these days there? Are you are you are you um you know, uh, doing a, a lot of teaching? Or, or Well,
1: I I have a really busy season coming up. You know, our season starts in May. I hope the snow will be melted. And it goes through November, and I've got a really super busy, you know, I I run my apprentice programs and my advanced programs here and generally a bunch of other classes, but I am pretty much slowing down, and this will probably be my last year of teaching classes, actually. I still do my plant lover's journeys. I, you know, I like to go a couple times a year. I do... I take herbalists, and we travel around the world and go to pretty remarkable places. We have a, a big trip uh, coming up in November to Southeast Asia. We'll go to Cambodia and Laos and uh, mm-hmm. Thailand, and you know, we we meet with herbalists and we hike in beautiful areas. And it's, you know, they're part holiday vacation, part spiritual journey, part herbal educational experience. They're they're amazing. I've been doing them for since about 1985, and I've traveled, uh, hoofed around a lot. You know, I love doing those. And I'll still, um, sponsor the big international herb symposium and the women's herbal conference. You know, I just love the networking that goes on with that. But I think in, you know, what I look at is in my community now, uh, we not only have an herbalist in every community, we have an herbalist here in central Vermont on every corner. It's really exciting. You know, we have a herb school here and a free herbal clinic and fabulous teachers and growers and, You know, we have a very abundant herbal community, and it's a perfect time for me to sort of step out of the inner circle and into the outer circle so I can be a voice of support for all the people that are... You
0: you must have another something up your sleeve then. (laughs) (laughs) You've got an idea brewing there.
1: Well, you know, I have been wanting to write my herbal novel called Chili Birdie and the Garlic Queens, but I'm more interested, actually, you know, I... I've always been a person who's had dreams and visions and then worked hard to make those happen, and I'm in that place where I sort of want to, I'm thinking of just like taking my overflowing cup and just sort of emptying it and then turning it upright without filling it and just see what spirit puts into it. So I'm more in this place, you know, I'm almost 60, and I'm more in a place of just wanting to see, you know, without having a big agenda or a big plan. I want to create a little mystery you know and and so i'm trying not to have a big thought about what i want to do next you know like you know <laughs> i mean, I can think of a zillion things you're right i have this yeah. kind of perpetual mind there's that, always
0: more right yeah
1: i i for a little while i've been doing that i've been um i've been doing this a long time of not just the herbs but this way of living and and I'm thinking that it might be interesting to uh, just kind of plant a garden for a while and see what comes up. I don't know. It's like a mysterious time for me. I'm very excited about it, actually.
0: Wow. Yet another sudden return, right? <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. It happens right now, doesn't it? I'm a fifty-nine.
0: Right. There you I go. I think
1: I'm in it. I'm in my second Saturn return. Thank you for reminding me. My first Saturn return was a little, wow. My <laughs> Did
0: it involve you, your, your children or <laughs> having kids? No.
1: You know, my up? my first Saturn return, my herb store, which was doing fabulously, burnt to the ground. I was run over by a motorcycle doing an herb walk and ended up with compound fractures on both legs and in casts for two years. It was like a horrific experience. I learned a lot, though. I learned so much. But I'm really going to pray that doesn't happen this time. I think it's about staying humble. I was feeling like I was on the top of the world. You know, everything was just lying high. And I think a lot of it is about staying close to the earth, you know, crawling, being close, being on your belly, close to the earth, smelling the flowers.
0: The best way to learn is to smell mm-hmm. the flowers. I was going to ask you, you know, the last uh, question: Before we wrap it up, um, that you know, now as as folks who are listening are on varying degrees of their herbal journey here, you know, and 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 um, and in in relation to what we've all we've been talking about, um, have any words of wisdom that you find yourself giving to many people that you talk to or classes that you give um, in mm-hmm. relation to into all of that?
1: Well, I don't know how wise the words are, but what comes to me when you said that is there, you know, we're all being called to do something very different in this huge herbal community or what I really think are communities, you know, they're intersecting circles. And that the best thing that we all can do is remember that it's all part of the great circle so that, you know, there are people who are really called to be clinical herbalists and others who are called to be community herbalists and there's people who want to start big businesses and others who want to do local agriculture, and you know, so long as we each remember to bring integrity to whatever we're being called to, they're they're not conflicting. It's all part of the big circle, and that um, we don't want to we want to have differences, and we want to honor those differences. Um, we don't all want to be doing the same thing for sure, or have the same mindset. That would be freaky and scary. Um, so, <laughs> and you know, so there's a lot of what I see is is that the fracturing is beginning, and to me that's very sad, because if we can't um, be supportive in the differences, how can the world be? And so it's finding a way to really embrace and to be thoughtful about how we communicate and how we all support one another. I, I don't say this in a preachy way at all, because I have to admit, I'm always learning this lesson myself, but it's remembering to listen respectfully, and that if somebody's wanting to see, I think what comes up for me is that you know there's a strong movement to want to legalize herbalism, and I'm really that isn't my what I see as my as a good path or the vision because I look at bureaucracy and to me it's like I don't see things that are really coming together in that in fact most of the institutions right now are crumbling and so i don't want to I don't want to model herbalism after things that aren't working I want to create something that's wholly different and uh, you know that can withstand the tests of time which the way that we have been doing herbalism for the last 35 or 40 years in this country, has been very organic and very grassroots, and it's been marvelous and very creative, and it's allowed so many different possibilities to emerge from game boards to teaching children to clinical work and hospital work and science, and all of it has been accepted. And when you legalize something and you, you then put it into the straight jacket of laws and regulations, it, it doesn't create the freedom that we need for healthcare. And so, but, but in that, but, but as part of that, I want to say that there's very respectful conversations that can happen and should happen in very respectful ways, and people forget to do that. So, so that's all I want to share, is I think that we need to remember that it's not one community, it's many intersecting communities. It's not, uh, it's not One mind. It's many, many minds and one heart, and those minds think differently. But the pounding of the heart is the same. It's the rhythm of the earth, you know. And that when we when we put something into place right now, we have to think about how it's going to affect the seven generations. We really have a responsibility to look into the future. And you know, I've heard, I've had this discussion with people, and they say, well, you know, we can't we can't think about that. We have to think about how it's going to impact us. it's like, no, that's really the wrong thinking. We have to think about what our actions are and how they're going to impact, you know, the seventh generation as our elders, the native people here did. So I think that it's very, we're in a very critical and crucial place in herbalism right now, and we've done marvelous in caretaking it to this place. I'm hoping that all the young people, I don't mean age wise young, but all those people who are just stepping into herbalism can really understand the importance of what they put into place. For me I think the solution is is that herbalism is like it's it's spiritual work. It's like a religion. You know, people are they have they should have the right to practice their health care choices in the same way that they have freedom of religion. And so I, I really am into health care health freedom acts, state by state, you know, I think that's how we can assure that people people not only have the choice to choose the health care they want, the practitioners can be protected uh, from being criminally charged. So, anyway, that's, as I said, I'm not sure that it's words of wisdom, but it's what came to me when you asked.
0: Right, right. Well, thank you. Yeah. that importance of, uh, and then in all of that, if that brings up stuff for people, just remember stay close to the earth and enhance your relationships as you do with the plants, you know, garden, pick some chickweed, put yeah. it in your salad. You know, have fun, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Play the board game.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Especially when it, especially when you have six feet of snow outside. (laughs) Yeah, really. Not me. I'm out there, (laughs) up there picking things.
1: Stop Uh, rubbing it in. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: before I uh, we finish up here, I just want to remind folks to hang on. don't hang up after I finish the official call part because then I'm going to hit the uh, the stop record part and then we're going to do the uh, the, the uh, end of the call um, fun <laughs> if you didn't think this was fun enough oh well, no um, so I just wanted to um, say to I apologize we didn't get to everyone's questions there were a lot and uh, hey you know we've got a very awesome forum on user forum on Herb mentor and I hope you can take your questions over there also reference um, Rosemary's book, Family Herbal, uh, is for a lot of the questions that I saw as well. And don't forget to visit Rosemary on the web at sage, sagemountain.com and, and find out when all those cool symposiums are happening and and um, and, uh, and seeing what's happening there on Sage Mountain. You can see all the various books there and all, and uh, also your home study course. You've got oh a yeah, home study course. You're forever. You're forever. Uh, um, you know, encapsulated in a home study course. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. It's, it's it's an excellent one. I've seen some I I saw someone else's materials once. I want to I want to get it sometime so I can look through. Um and uh you've an online newsletter there too. Yeah. On your site. And um that's great. So and everyone remember to uh if you can go on and donate to United Plant Saver sometime, that would be great and the herbs will love you for it. And um Let's see. Oh yeah, because tonight, as well as giving away all this stuff, I'm going to give a um, hundred dollar membership to uh, United Plant Savers to in one caller's name, lucky caller's name as well. So you can be part of that organization. and They send you some really nice materials and and all. Uh, so Rosemary, uh, I have to say it's thank you so much oh, for your time. You. It's just been an honor to meet you and and to hear all your. Your wisdom about health and the plants and community herbalism, has been just a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you
1: so much, really. Thank you for all the good work you're doing and your support of United Plant Savers.
0: Herb Mentor Radio on HerbMentor.com is a production of LearningHerbs.com. Visit LearningHerbs.com for free herbal lessons including Herb Mentor News, Home Remedy Secrets, and Supermarket Herbalism. You'll also find the Herbal Medicine Making Kit and our board game, Wildcraft. Herb Mentor Radio. Copyright LearningHerbs.com. All rights reserved. Thanks so much for listening.